The second week of the NFL season is here. Will the Ravens provide us with another thrill? They play host to AFC champions, the Chiefs, and look to avoid 0-2. Our team will discuss this in a moment. They'll go over the games, looking for the best bets and value. And if you're here for the free picks, hang on to your seats for Matt Landis, Las Vegas Chris, and Scott Kellen. Our NFL live show will start in a few seconds. Hey everybody, welcome to the BetUS NFL Show. I'm your host, Matt Landis, joined by expert football handicappers, Las Vegas Chris on your left and Scott Kellen on your right. If you're watching us on YouTube, you can find Chris on Twitter at Las Vegas Chris, that's C-R-I-S, Scott at Sixth Sense NFL, and me at MLandis18. This is our week two pick show. And guys, let's get right to it. We're off to a wild start with another primetime thriller last night. You simply can't make up some of this stuff. And Chris, I know week two is off to a good start for you after that overcashed last night in Washington. Yeah, anybody that was in comments for the uh, the individual game video would have seen me. Uh, I updated uh, that I was going, I was looking at the over, hoping to get talked out of it, but uh, I ended up uh, sticking with it. And I actually regretted not taking the Giants. I really wanted to take the Giants and... Uh, I don't know why I didn't, but uh, at least I came away with a winner. Yeah, and Scott, you did end up taking the Giants after leaning their way on our Tuesday show. Yeah, once the line went to four, I grabbed them. Um, you know, I just, I, I said it on Tuesday's show. I mean, Washington's one of those teams are getting points. Okay, maybe look at taking them. They're laying points. I just don't see them winning by margin against, you know, somewhat decent teams. So, that was kind of the strategy, and these two teams have played close games last year, so um, I thought the four points was worth grabbing. I think uh, Washington really exposed uh, themselves, uh, and it's coming out. You know, the things we discussed in the divisional previews, that defense is not what people think it is, and, and that's painfully apparent. Uh, and now we're starting to see, you know, mainstream media finally realize it also. So that's kind of satisfying. We were a little ahead of uh, the curve on it, but should have benefited a little bit more by it. Hey, I, I give you all the credit for that, Chris. You know, I was uh, kind of on the sideline waiting to see him. But every time they completed a pass against them, I just remembered all those previews and all those talks this preseason. Were you saying that? I'm like, damn, he was right on that. So, Yeah, well, we continue to learn about these teams with each new game. Another big data point for that Washington defense last night. And with week two off to a good start for the crew here, we're going to go ahead and break down the rest of the week two board on this show right here at BetUS, where the game begins. And if you're joining us on YouTube, you know the drill. Give us a thumbs up, subscribe, hit that bell icon for notifications when we go live, and feel free to interact with us in the comments section. You just might pull a winner out of Chris from time to time, like that over last night in Washington. And before we kick things off, make sure to sign up today at BetUS using the promo code NFL2021 to claim your 125% signup bonus. For more information, check out the link below this video. And on that note, guys, let's get to the week two slate, starting with the Sunday early window. Let's talk about the Saints at the Panthers. The Saints currently laying three and a half at even money, total 44 and a half. And this has been interesting. The line opened two and a half. It's crossed through three. The total had been as high as 47, so it's come back down. Chris, you've got to lean on the side in this one. Yeah, I do. And, and uh this line is ticking down just a little bit, uh, so uh, 
Uh, if you do like the Saints, uh, don't pull the trigger. Uh, wait, wait, you have nothing to lose. You, you wait to see, uh, you know, you're, you're going to get a three, it looks like, uh, somewhere. But uh, I, this game has been torture for me. Uh, it, it's it's, it's uh, making me pay for an early week wager, which I took the Saints, and then uh, minus the three. And then it soared up to three and a half and four, and I was feeling uh, pretty good. And then the COVID uh, news hits with the with the coaches and a couple of players, and uh, you know you've got to panic at that point. But uh, what can you do? So uh, there's some injury concerns. Lattimore had surgery on Monday, and it looks like he's been upgraded. He's going to play, uh, but they've got some other players uh, that look like they will sit out. Uh, I think we saw last week with the Saints. Uh, I mentioned, hey. Their defense is the real deal. They've lost some depth, uh, but, you know, the core of that team, for the most part, is there. And Thomas isn't playing, but they were used to not playing with Thomas. They still have Kamara in there. And uh, MVP candidate with five touchdowns, Winston, looks pretty good. I'm just joking about the MVP, but I do have that ticket. (laughs) But I saw a little mini story on Winston, and... He really learned a lot by watching Tampa Bay win the Super Bowl without him. And uh, he stood up at the front of the bus before last game. And and he said, he said something to the effect of, I'm going to make the most out of this opportunity. And he goes out and has that great game. So I'm backing the Saints in this game, minus the three. Uh, It's be a strong lean, anything over. I wasn't impressed by Carolina. They uh, they were not able to score on a Jets defense that they should have been able to score on, and they just were not that impressive. And even if they, this is a tough spot, there's a lot of people that are going to be on Carolina, and this appears to be the sucker side, uh, honestly. But I believe the Saints are that good, and their backs are against the wall. So that's my opinion on. Yeah, well, you touch on Carolina not being able to score much against the Jets, and I was really surprised to see Matt Rule punt on fourth and six from the Jets' 33. I think he's going to have to be a little smarter than that to hang with the Saints. And, Scott, while Chris is leaning at the Saints at the current number, you have a lean the other way. Yeah, I'm leading Carolina, and I'm not making it the best bet because I, I respect you know both offensive line, defensive lines for, uh, for New Orleans, and I could see at the end of the day where they manhandle them, and so I'm I'm a little uh, careful about that. Carolina did show a lot of pressure last week. Uh, they actually had the third highest pressure rate, but again, was that just because they played the Jets? That's the difficult thing. So early in the season, you don't know if it's the opponent or have you know they made some adjustments, some additions, et cetera, et cetera. So um, and you know the other part is Carolina. I think gave up the fifth most pressures last last week. So again, they could be in a long day um you know against the saints so i'm very careful about that i do have a little bit of value on carolina but again as i've said earlier my numbers on the saints and miami seem to be off so i'm also treading a little bit careful because of that i will say the one thing and i think the saints are you know probably uh better than most that overcome this but week two road teams uh that won by large margins in week one uh playing a team who won last week which is carolina they have not performed real well it's a small sample size. I would never make a play based on that, but it could be letdown, regression, whatever you want to call it. Um, so, you know, that's the other reason I'm leaning their way a little bit. Uh, um, but I'm just worried about both lines. Uh, so I'm not pulling a trigger because of that, but I do lean their way. 
Yeah, and I hear you both. I'm going to go ahead and pass on this one. I will just say the Saints, wow. I mean, what Jameis Winston did and Sean Payton's game plan in week one, that was really impressive, especially considering their disruption being relocated. Another disruption this week with the COVID situation. So we'll see how the Saints can respond in Carolina. Moving right along, let's talk Texans at the Browns. We can take a look at the odds on the screen currently, courtesy of BetUS, and the Browns up to a flat minus 13, total 48. And Scott, you see a little value on a side here, but again, not quite enough to go ahead and pull the trigger. Yeah, I, I make the number just over 14, so a little bit of value, but you know, laying double digits in the NFL is hard. I probably lay double digits in the NFL maybe one to three times a year. It's usually in, in key situations later in the year, like Seattle over the Jets last year, et cetera. Uh, so I don't really want to lay double digits. I will say this, though. Houston came off a double-digit win as a dog last week. That puts them in a really bad situation uh, going on the road. That's 44-12-1 uh, and one that plays against uh, teams that do that. So uh, they have their backs against the wall in that regard. Um, in Houston last week, you know, they gave up a lot of pressure to Jacksonville. And we're in the bottom third in, in, in terms of uh, putting pressure on Jacksonville. And Cleveland was in the top third last week. And we know they can put some pressure as well. So, you know, from the line of scrimmage, I can see uh, Cleveland doing some things there as well. You know, it, Houston's an interesting team. I respect them a little bit. They've got some veterans on the offense there. So I'm a little bit careful about that. But I do show a little bit of value for Cleveland. The situation's in their favor. Uh, and at the line of scrimmage, I think that favors uh, Cleveland as well. I just don't want to lay double digits. Yeah, and Chris, obviously Cleveland, a prohibitive favorite in this one. But the veterans came to play for Houston last week. Yeah, they sure did. And uh it really shows the character. If you've been in the league for a long time, you're, you're generally not going to, you know, lay down. And, and those guys are playing for positions to remain in the league. So you're going to get their best effort. And uh, they were just discounted way too much. And it's nice to see Tyrod Taylor have some success. You know, he got the raw end of the uh, Herbert uh, situation there when he got injured at the start of last season. Uh Tuesday, I mentioned that this line would probably go up, and it has gone up. Uh, it's as high as 13 and a half some places. And it's not going to surprise me in the least uh, if it hits 14. But it's not going to attract any of my attention. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, you know, rev up those engines and vroom, vroom. Let's watch Cleveland go to town. I I, I think Cleveland can name their own score. I, if I had to bet the game, I certainly would take Cleveland. But uh, I'm looking at a lot of different games, and I just feel like leaving that one on the table. Yeah, and I agree. I think the number is right here, so I'm going to pass. My only note to add to what you two have already said would be that the Browns were pretty impressive in that loss last week, going toe-to-toe -to -toe in Kansas City. They won the yards per play battle by almost two full yards per play, done in by negative two in turnover differential. So it could be a different story this weekend with a bit of a step down in class for Cleveland. Moving right along, let's talk about the next game on the board, Cincinnati at Chicago, and the Bears were a bigger favorite earlier in the week. They are still favored, laying two, total at 45. And Chris, this is a case where we might have a teaser in play if only there were another team to pair with the Bengals this week. Yeah, this is a, uh, uh, just, you know, just a reminder with the teasers, you, you really just want to be applying them going through threes and sevens. Uh, it, you know, the other instances that they're useful are pretty uh, inconsistent. So it just feels like a real uh, wasted teaser leg uh, to take uh, Cincinnati. Uh, 
you know, through the three and the seven, and who do you match them up with? But uh, there may be another opportunity. I forget what the other game was. Oh, Philadelphia might be an opportunity. So if Philadelphia gets, if San Francisco goes down to the two and a half, there's your teaser of the week, so to speak, considering it's pretty much your only option. But uh, I, I, as I said Tuesday, even though Cincinnati won, I didn't upgrade them. In fact, I thought I thought a little bit less of them because they really tried to give that game away last week, and it 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 they did a lot of things okay, but they were sloppy, and uh, I just expected more out of Cincinnati. So uh, I think other people saw it a different way. The sharps have bought this down. I, you know, Chicago looked really, really bad in parts, but they were still hanging around, hanging around for a while. And I just, uh, I just think if that, that line gets uh, any lower, I might just have to pop in on Chicago. Uh, I, I have to do some more research on it. I, I didn't think I would uh, want to, but I believe I believe that they were thoroughly embarrassed and and will put forth their maximum effort. And I kind of look at weeks one and two oftentimes as teeter totter situations for mediocre teams to uh, reverse the fortune of their week one result. So uh, that's what I'm looking at at this point. Yeah, and and Scott, while Chris is looking at possibly getting a play on the Bears, you see a touch of value maybe leaning the other way. Yeah, I see a little bit of value on Cincinnati, uh, but, but you know, Chris hit it. If they, if you want to play them in a teaser and you can find the other leg, and I think Philadelphia is a perfect option. We'll talk about that game later. Uh, I think that's a good opportunity. You know, Joe, Joe Burrow, um, throwing out the game, he got hurt against Washington last year. The only teams that really have blown Cincinnati out when Burrow has played, uh, Pittsburgh, uh, Baltimore, uh, Cleveland in one game, they lost by five, but they got a, a late score in that game. But he's kept his teams in games, kind of, again, speaking to the point uh, from a uh, teaser standpoint. And Andy Dalton last week, he had the second lowest intended air yards per attempt in the league last week at 4.2 yards. So they're they're not necessarily pushing the ball down the field. Um, the problem for Cincinnati is their offensive line is still horrible. Um, you know, they had the, I think, third highest pressure rate allowed last week. But the Bears didn't put any pressure on the Rams, and so we'll see if they can do that against Cincinnati here. The one other note here, Cincinnati ran the ball a fair amount last week. Maybe that's because they were ahead, you know, but they kind of deviated from throwing so much from the year before. Just kind of a side note, I do have a little bit of value on the under in this game as well. And, you know, if they start to run the ball a little bit more this year, maybe there's a little bit of value there. Not playing the game, but I will keep it open uh, in case a teaser opportunity uh, comes into play. I do want to point out that Chicago – did an excellent job of stopping the Rams running game last week. So they only gave up 3.2 yards a rush. And, uh, you know, if they can hold Mixon, uh, you know, in tow, then that's going to add some more pressure on Burrow. I think that this is a candidate for the wacky ending game of the week, uh, you know, certainly for the early games. But it, it, this just seems like one of those games where, the, you know, you're going back and forth on red zone uh, like we were with Minnesota last week. Uh, uh, you know, sometimes these teams are just, uh, they, they're contagious to results and endings like this. And, and it, it, I just see a great potential for that type of game. 
Yeah, and with that potential for a crazy end game, I'm going to go ahead and pass this one. The only point I have to add to what you two have already laid out was that it was nice to see Jamar Chase really arrive at the right time for the Bengals after a tumultuous training camp in preseason. So I'll be curious to see if the Bengals can keep that going and possibly end up emerging with one of the more dynamic pass attacks in the league. We can move right along now and let's talk the Raiders traveling across the country to visit the Steelers. The Steelers have taken on some money lately, currently favored at minus six up to minus 115, totaled at 47. And guys, we can get to some handicapping points shortly, but we have a question from the chat relevant to this game. And that is asking which win was more impressive in week one, the Steelers beating the Bills or the Raiders beating the Ravens. Any thoughts from either of you on that front? Uh, I'll, I'll go. Um, you know, I might not be answering this really the way they intended the uh, the question to be asked, but the Raiders for me was more impressive in the sense that they showed some defense and defensive pressure that we were kind of wondering if they would show, and we'll see, it remains to be seen if they can do that on a continuous basis. But I mean, you know, we know we knew Pittsburgh's offense or sorry defense was going to show up. Their offense was eh, whatever. Um, they stayed in the game. Their defense is tremendous. Uh, but the Raiders really needed to bring some defense and they did a little bit of that. So to me, that made that, that victory a little bit more impressive, especially considering the opponent they played. I think it's very close between uh, the two teams, you know, but I, I give the edge just to Pittsburgh, uh, because they did it on the road. Uh, they, they still needed to do some things. They didn't demonstrate the willingness to uh, commit to the run. Uh, when they were trying to kill the end of the game, they were still passing the ball. So, you know, they didn't show, you know, that they have completely turned the corner or held what they did last year. You know, everybody was afraid of them collapsing. And it was a surprise that they showed up. And, and sure, the, you know, they didn't beat the crap out of Buffalo by any means. Buffalo... Uh, uh, you know, handed them the game in some ways, but uh, that's what good teams do is take advantage of the mistakes of bad teams. And uh, uh, the Raiders was, I, I look at the Baltimore situation as just a complete meltdown in coaching. I, I, I can't believe, uh, I can't believe that they allowed that to happen. You never see uh, Lamar Jackson blow 14 point leads. That means they, the pedals to the metal for more. Yeah, I think there was plenty to be impressed about from both teams in week one. And in this matchup specifically, Scott, another case where you see some value on Las Vegas, but there's also something keeping you off of betting the Raiders in this one. Yeah, well, first of all, I think it's you know potentially a bad matchup. So that's unfortunate. And the other thing is there's a lot of injuries and question marks here. Denzel Good, uh, the guard for the Raiders, is out. Incognito didn't play last week. I think he's practiced this week, so he could be out as well. That's a pretty significant losses. Uh, and then the right tackle rookie, uh, Leatherwood, you know, he was okay at times last week, but he was also pretty poor at times. Um, you know, that this is just the wrong team to be going against from that standpoint with such a strong front seven for Pittsburgh. Uh, and then there's even question marks on the defensive side for the Raiders. You know, Ngakwe might not play. He's been banged up. They lost Gerald McCoy, who's kind of a clog in the middle there. So, you know, as impressive as it was to see some improvement on the defense, there's still some question marks from an injury standpoint. So that kind of keeps me off the game. I think there might be a little bit of value on the under here, though, because if that offensive line cannot perform for the for uh, for Las Vegas, then they're not going to score a lot of points. Um, 
you know, so we could see this game go under the total. Uh, the only and, and the other thing I would say is Roethlisberger, I think he was fifth worst in intended air yards per attempt last week. So he, again, was not chucking the ball down the field. If they dink and dunk, run the ball, get all to a lead, let their defense control it. You know, the under might have a little bit of value in this game. Yeah, and Scott, building on something you brought up with the Raiders defense, I thought their pass rush looked really impressive on Monday night. And that would have been a mismatch against the Steelers offensive line heading into this game. But because of some of the injury news you mentioned, I think the Steelers can now key in on Max Crosby. Again, if Yannick Ngakwe is limited or out with that hamstring injury, and we already know Gerald McCoy is going to be out, the Steelers offensive line might hold them back over the course of the season, but not necessarily so much in this one. And Chris, speaking of that Steelers offense, while it wasn't too impressive against Buffalo, are you expecting any sort of step up this weekend against the Raiders? Well, they better step up uh, because the Raiders gave up 5.6 yards of rush uh, against Baltimore. And if the, if, the, if the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to have a running game, they better damn well have one this week. Uh, and if they don't, then that's going to make them really one-dimensional going forward. And that's going to limit uh, their prospects uh, you know, against the better teams. The Raiders are going to face a, a much more difficult defense here uh, that's going to get to Carr and make his life difficult. And uh, they are pretty good at stopping that uh, rushing game. So uh, I, this is a flat spot. Every Anytime you win a big Monday night game, it's usually a flat spot. You get a little bit of extra value, uh, usually because of the recency bias. But they're traveling on the road, and they're playing an early game, and they're playing a very tough defense. I, there's only one way that I can look on the side, and that's Pittsburgh. I, I don't think I'll pull the trigger on it, though, but it's possible. And I do like Scott's uh, under total. Uh, it's going to be hard to see them score more than 47 points. I, I, I might take a, a little nibble on that. Uh, but uh, if Pittsburgh's uh, offense is ho-hum again, you know, it's, it's big trouble. Yeah, I'm with you there, Chris. I could only look to the Steelers. But again, with the point spread being the great equalizer, even though I have the Steelers moving on up after what they showed in week one, I can only make it a lean because I don't want to need that offense yet to build a big margin. Hey, Matt, okay. I'll just throw, oh, uh, sorry to interrupt, I'll throw one other point out there. Remember last year, I think it was a Sunday night game, the Raiders lost at home to Kansas City 35-31, that great game that went back and forth. The following week, they went on the road to Atlanta, and I think, what was that score, like 42-3? to And they got their ass kicked in that game, uh, and they lost that game. So, you know, I'm not suggesting the same thing here, but, you know, that was a big emotional game for them. Sunday night, primetime, they go on the road the next week and fall flat on their face. We'll see if that happens again. Yeah, I think the letdown spot narrative can get overplayed at some points, but if there ever was a letdown spot, this is quite possibly it for the Raiders on Sunday. Moving right along, let's talk about a marquee AFC East showdown. The Bills traveling to Miami to take on the Dolphins. Buffalo currently laying three and a half at even money, total at 48. And Chris, you've got a bet on the side in this one. Yeah, this is a, uh, a tough pill to swallow. And, uh, you know, if you're if you're watching these shows throughout the the year, I give out a lot of tough pills to to swallow, and and then those difficult games, uh, you know, they turn your stomach all week long while you're while you're sitting on them, and uh, they're difficult, but uh, they, they produce good results over time, and 
you know, the, the easy go-to thought process is there's no way Buffalo's going 0-2. So you're getting extra value on this play. And I'm going to explain another way we're getting extra value. Buffalo was just at home laying six against Pittsburgh, and they lose. Miami wins their tough game, although it wasn't impressive. They, they were outstanding on that. But nevertheless, when you come away with a divisional win on the road, that's impressive. So both teams played basically equal competition. Uh, so equal letdown or, look, or you know, in that category of things. And they come to Miami. And just like Aaron Rodgers had to come down to, to uh, Florida and play in the heat and humidity, Jones is going to have to, or uh, Allen's going to have to come down and play in the heat and humidity and the rest of the team, of course. But how is it that Buffalo is a three and a half point favorite when they were only six against Pittsburgh? They've, it's a, it, you've got the switch between home and away. You've got, and then here's the other issue. Miami was a rated preseason one full game better than Pittsburgh. So th- this line has a lot of value, and uh, especially with that half point. And it, I, my head tells me it's just disgusting and nauseating to play, but uh, these are the types of plays that you want to want to be on over the course of time, and, and they're going to win more often than they don't. Yeah, and one question I have to follow up on the way you laid out the number side of things so well, how much of your handicap will be based around power ratings and some of the numbers you just cited versus some of the matchups in play, knowing that uh, I, I know you're aware too, Miami, a heavy blitzing team, and that tends not to work out so well against the Bills. So how do you kind of reconcile any differences between the numbers and the matchup between these two teams? Yeah, this is really concerning because the two previous games they played the Bills, they blitzed and blitzed and blitzed and and they themselves got blitzed on the scoreboard. So uh, that is concerning. They better switch that strategy because it just doesn't work in this situation. The, the, there are some bad matchups for Miami, but they are very well coached and they do have a solid personnel. So there has to be some adjustments that are being made, uh, because they already know they can't play the same way with the the success. So uh, as far as how I'm looking at individual matchups versus power ratings, I don't create my power ratings. My models create the power ratings, and they are a strong guide for me. And uh, usually, even in this situation, uh, you know, it's going to bother me, but it's not going to be enough to throw me off because there's a lot of aspects to the game. And... uh, the other the other thing in our favor is when was when was the last time Josh Allen actually had a great game in front of fans? He, he has not demonstrated real success in front of fans. So, uh, you know, let's see him do it. Yeah, well, one question just came in from the chat that ties right into this handicap as well. And Chris, I know you were frustrated to see it right before we started recording. Question asks, how much will it impact the Dolphins with Will Fuller out? Well, I would have, you know, it's, it's disappointing that he's out, but the, the comedy is, is the line is going down. So it's it, Miami's getting uh, support in the marketplace, and it's possible that three and a half disappears. 
but uh, he's gone for a personal problem. We don't know what it is, and, and we just have to live with it. And I'm going to guess that the team knew all week long what the situation is and prepared for it. Yeah, yeah, we're working with some uncertainty there, a little bit of late week breaking news, but you've laid out plenty of reasons why in Miami still a fit by a lot of different ways to look at this one. Scott, when it comes to your approach on the game, it seems like you're still trying to figure out just what to make of this year's Dolphins. Yeah, my numbers are a little bit off, as I've said before, so I'm trying to get them in line. So it's hard for me to really handicap. I, I want to add a you know, couple things that Chris on. Let's look at this line from a different perspective. If this game... It, and let's first of all just assume three points for home field advantage, which I know is too high, but the math's easy. That's a six-point change. So would Buffalo be favored by nine and a half over Miami at home? I don't think there's any way they would be. Even if you say two and a half points each, it's a five-point difference. They'd be favored by eight and a half at home. I don't think they would be. So uh, right there, I think this line is too high from that perspective uh, to Chris's point. The other point Chris said um, you know, was that they um, didn't look great last week, but you got to, you know, they, they started the game with a touchdown. I think they came out of the second half with a touchdown. Granted, it was a fumble, but they stopped New England at the end of the game and then ran the clock out. They're doing all the right things that a really good team does. And as Chris said, you know, they're, they're very, very well coached as well. So um, it's hard for me to handicap because I, you know, my numbers just aren't right on this, but I think Chris is right. And I would probably only look Miami if I looked anyway in this game. You know, and in and, and Miami with Flores as the head coach, home, it's been home cooking. They're nine and one at home against the spread. So uh, another uh, feather in their cap so far. Yeah, and Chris, I hear you being on the Dolphins here. I'm going to make it a pass for now. I'm looking at two factors that will really be informative moving forward. And that would be for both teams, the quarterback performance and any regression we might see when it comes to the quarterbacks. You know, with Josh Allen, you kind of alluded to it, Chris. Is it a case of here we go again with his accuracy? And with Tua, his QBR was less than 40 last week. So while the team won, I would still like to see him make some progress. And I think there's plenty of time for him to do it. I'm just hoping to start seeing that pretty soon. And as far as the regression goes for these teams, I think it could go in opposite directions. Buffalo might be due for some positive regression after just going one for four in the red zone last week and allowing a special teams touchdown. Meanwhile, the Dolphins, it, it could be negative regression, but we keep waiting for it. I mean, their turnover luck was off the charts last year. Again, in week one, they went plus two in fumbles. They also went two for two in the red zone. So depending on how the quarterbacks perform and what kind of regression we see from these teams, those could really be a couple of X factors on Sunday in Miami. I think we've covered that game pretty well and we can move right along. Let's talk about the Rams visiting the Colts and we can take a look at the odds for that game. The Rams currently a favorite of three and a half at a flat minus 110, total of 48. And Chris, you've also got a bet on the side in this one. Well, this is your hold, uh, hold your nose special on the, of the week. And uh, it, boy, this is a tough, tough game. But when you get in these situations where one team just looked amazing and the other team looked the inverse. Yeah, another situation where you're getting added value in the line. And uh, to people that don't really understand the values of, of the points, you're talking about the tiniest of percentage advantages that you're seeking out uh, when you're looking at games. There, there's no NFL games that are 
two and three and four points off generally. You're looking for a solid half point, one point. And it sounds silly, you know, and unimportant to, you know, the, the layperson, but that's that's what this is about. It's chasing a half a point or a point. And that's big in certain situations. So here we are around the three and the four number again, and uh, the fours are, are the fours available. Uh, there are, it, it, it might bounce back up to the four, uh, which is an important number. The, the, the Chicago Bears had breakdowns in their secondary and left Stafford, you know, pop-ups and made him look really good. But uh, the Rams didn't get their running game going, and they, you know, there's claims that they haven't really touched the playbook because the Chicago game was so easy. But the Indianapolis is a big step up defensively. I have to worry about whether Leonard plays or not. If Leonard uh, and one other person are out, well, that's going to change the game. So we want those guys in. So uh, pay attention to that. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm on the Colts. I'm on the Colts. And Scott, Chris touched on it. Some of the I injuries for Indy are a, a big factor. Yeah, as he, as he plugs his nose, he might have to plug it a little harder with some of the injury news we've seen lately out of Indianapolis. What do you make, Scott, of the injury reports that we've been seeing? Well, Chris is right. I think it, it bears watching. So you got right tackle Braden Smith, which probably has a chance, a good chance to miss this game. They might get left tackle Eric Fisher back, which would be huge. But if he's also out, that's going to be a problem. Uh, as uh, Chris said, uh, uh, Darius Leonard probably out. Um, and then remember, Xavier Rhodes, their cornerback, is out uh, as well. He missed last week as well. So those are things to all look at. You know, kind of factoring all that in there. Uh, and I can't remember if my number factored Leonard in or out, so I'd have to go back and look. But I, I make the Rams about just under a three-point favorite. So there is a little bit of value here, I think, potentially – with Indianapolis. My problem though is it, they played Seattle last week. Now remember Seattle has an offensive coordinator that came from Sean McVay. Um, and so here come the Rams, the same offense. Uh, maybe that's, maybe that helps because they just, they just saw it. Uh, but, but same type of offense. I'd have to say the Rams defense, even though I think it's going to regress this year, Seattle doesn't have an Aaron Donald or a Jalen and Ramsey. So I think the Rams defense is probably as good as Seattle's defense. Seattle outgained them 5.2 to 3.8 yards of play. It's hard for me to get that out of my mind. Um, and then you've got Carson Wentz, who only had 5.7 intended air yards per attempt last week. So he's not throwing the ball down the field. And here comes Stafford, who's chucking it at 9.1 intended air yards per attempt. So he's throwing it down the field. It's just hard for me to get those things out of my mind. But as Chris said, the NFL is not as simple as just looking at that way and saying, I'm taking um, the Rams in this game. And if that's the case, I don't even know how bet us would open up the doors on Monday morning after an influx of Rams money. Right. And just, just doesn't work that way. So I'm staying off the game. Uh, I see a little bit of value with Indy, but for me, the matchups and kind of everything I just went through uh, just makes it hard for me to play the Colts, especially if those injuries all come out as well. Yeah. You touched, you touched on uh, something I forgot to mention, and that is they saw the, the, the same type of offense last week and they know what killed them and they can, you know, have an opportunity to make adjustments. You know, the other thing here, we'd kind of said, we know how many problems Carson Wentz had with the offensive 
line last year, and we thought he was coming to a safe haven here. But all of a sudden, lo and behold, they've got injuries and whatnot. And, um, you know, he might be in trouble again with a bad offensive line, not because they're bad, because they got injuries. And and he kind of wilted last year when that happened, which, you know, is, is understandable. But, um, you know, if they're losing both right and left tackle, that could be problematic. Yeah. Yeah, Scott, I think in real time, you answered a question about Carson Wentz that came in through the chat. So it's almost as if you're watching right along with our viewers and providing these insights on the show. So doing double duty there. And I have a similar outlook on this game. But when I saw the Rams on Sunday night, I know the Bears defense, Chris, to your point, wasn't the most impressive. But Stafford and McVay might turn out to be more or less a match made in heaven. But I do see some defensive regression coming for the Rams. So that led me to want the Colts plus the points. And with the injury situation, I just can't come around to do it at this stage. I think it could be Groundhog Day if the defense doesn't clean up some big plays it allowed against the Seahawks. They could really use Darius Leonard. And Leonard, again, among six starters for the Colts that didn't practice yesterday, Quentin Nelson, I don't think we've brought up his name yet. He also didn't practice yesterday, and that could be one more big blow, especially against Aaron Donald. So I'll be staying away, but but I could only play the Colts if I had to pick a side in this one. I think that about covers it for the showdown in Indy. So let's move on to a game with a lot to get to. Let's talk San Francisco at Philadelphia. And we can take a look at the numbers here. The Niners currently laying three for reduced big at minus 105. Total down a bit to 49 and a half from where it was earlier in the week. And Scott, you and I are going head to head on the side in this one. Why don't you tell us who you're taking as well as a play on the total? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm grabbing Philly. Now, this is the you know worst of the number that we've seen all week. Um, and as Chris pointed out, if this goes to two and a half, then that could become a, I think, a very, very good teaser opportunity. But I'm on Philly. I make the line uh, about a point here. So I think we've got some value here. Uh, yes, Philly destroyed Atlanta last week. And we we can chalk it up as being Atlanta. But San Francisco did, uh, destroyed Detroit. And so we should have the same narrative there that they destroyed a, a very bad team as well. We don't know what we're going to get out of Jalen Hurts. I, you know, after this game, I could look like an idiot because Philly is not that good. But, you know, that Philly offensive line, I think, is very good. Their defensive line is very good. I think their secondary is improved. Um, We'll see what we get from Jalen Hurts. Uh, and, and the 49ers are banged up in this game, especially in the secondary. So uh, I also like the under in this game. My numbers last week were very accurate with San Francisco and, and Philly as well. And so I trust those numbers pretty well. And they come in here showing a little bit of value with Philly and also some value on the under. And Jalen Jalen Hurts, you know, he was awful in terms of throwing the ball down the field last week uh, with a lot of short passes. He got some yards after catch and whatnot. So if he dink and dunks, I do think they want to run the ball at the end of the day. The 49ers, you know, they ran it about 50% of the time last week. If they run the ball, that will eat a little clock as well. So I think we have a little bit of value on the under. I think there's some value on Philly here as well. Um, and, and I'll take my chances. And I'll just add one other thing. You know, years ago, I threw out almost all my rushing situations because this has become a passing league. I do have one, one good rushing situation that is one year after year after year. It does play in this game on Philly uh, and just helps me feel a little bit better about the uh, play as well. Yeah, well, I'm just glad that when I played the total at open, I got over 48. So we're not necessarily head to head on that one as well, because this game, of course, could possibly land on 49. But yeah, we are going to go head to head on the side here. And I feel like that might make me a bit of an underdog going up against you. But I am on the Niners at minus three, minus 105, the current price. 
And I think part of the reason the number is where it is is because of that misleading 41 to 33 final score last week in Detroit. Again, at the two minute warning, that one was 41 to 17. So the Niners thoroughly dominated the Lions. They won by almost three yards per play. In the first half, they won by more than five yards per play. And this week, it is San Francisco's second straight road game on the East Coast, but they've kind of mastered the art of how to handle that, staying at the Greenbrier in West Virginia, a bit of an extension of training camp, if you will. So I do see some things to like about the Niners. And with the Eagles, I mean this in no way to be a knock on their week one performance. This is a smaller bet for me. I think the Eagles are really good in the trenches. And Scott, as you said, the Niners are banged up. The big question heading into the season for the Eagles, Jalen Hurts' accuracy. He looks great in week one, so I'm going to have to be willing to pay to see that again. I do think that he had you know, that pretty short average depth of target. I'm curious to see if the Niners force him to go a little bit more downfield. And with that step up in class from Atlanta to the Niners, I see just enough value to get in play, again, for a smaller wager on San Francisco. So, Chris, you've heard Scott and I lay out our sides. What's your verdict? Oh, well, let's do opposite day then. Uh, this is uh, take my money play of the week. Uh, it's going to be hard not to play San Francisco, even with these injuries. I respect the Philadelphia offensive line. They're they're healthy for the first time, and it's good. It's a good offensive line. But let's not get overexcited about uh, this performance against an Atlanta team that really, it, it was an egregious show. They, they didn't, I was listening to a, a part of an Atlanta podcast this morning and the, the, uh, the guy that was uh, running it commented that they never changed their defense. They just allowed Hertz to do, uh, you know, a, 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 a zone read the entire time and never mixed it up on him, which is, you know, even to him, he's like, it's just absurd. How, how do you not make any adjustments? So he, he basically just, had his free reign to do whatever he wanted to do, and uh, and there in the Atlanta defense, you know, wasn't isn't remotely in the na- same neighborhood as San Francisco's defense, even when they're banged up. So if that offensive line protects Hurts, uh, and he's able to connect on longer passes than he was trying before, well, then that's going to be okay. I think he he was at nine yards per attempt, uh, if I'm not mistaken, which is pretty darn good, but that's against a sieve of a defense. Uh, is he going to be able to do it again against San Francisco? I don't think so. Uh, San Francisco is under so much pressure in that division, they cannot afford to lose these games. And as you mentioned, when they stay at Greenbrier, this is the third year in a row, the two previous times they've stayed on the East Coast in this situation, they have manhandled the uh, the teams that they played. So I I'm looking, I'm hoping for a two and a half, and I think that we will see it somewhere, someplace. And when I see it, uh, I'll pounce on it and uh, take my money. (laughs) Yeah, there you have it. A a lot of two-way action coming uh, everybody's way from the three of us when it comes to the Niners at the Eagles on Sunday. We can move along now and get to a game without as much action from us, but, but some talking points nevertheless. Let's take a look at Denver playing the Jaguars and the Broncos who've moved way up from a look ahead line of two and a half, currently laying six, and that's a juicy six at minus 115, total of 45. And Scott, this might be another case of seeing some value on a side here, but not being in a spot where you're comfortable pulling the trigger. Yeah, you know, I, I made the number about three and a half, so um, there is some value 
playing Jacksonville here, but it's hard for me to take them right now. Uh, they just did not look good um, last week. And, you know, this is one of the reasons I think Denver went with Teddy Bridgewater's less variance, more certainty. And this is the kind of game where, you know, if a Drew Locke comes in there and throws a couple interceptions that allows Jacksonville to kind of stay in the game, uh, also now Denver's in, in, in a dogfight here. And, um, but you know, I don't expect that out of Bridgewater and I don't expect Jacksonville to really stress him. So, you know, I can't take Jacksonville off to what I saw last week, but there does seem to be a little bit of value there, but, uh, it, it's a pass for me. Yeah. And Chris, what do you make of this one? It's been quite the line move again from two and a half up to Denver minus six. Well, I think the, uh, the, the Giants doing you know, much better yesterday makes you wonder, it makes that Denver victory look a little bit better. Um, that, uh, you know, obviously the, the Giants shot themselves in the foot last night in the end and settled for too many field goals, you know, throughout. But they they did enough to show that they're not a, do- a complete doormat. Uh, but can Denver win as a favorite on two straight road games to start the season? That I keep on... T- this is a situation where you become a numbers guy sometimes and nobody wants to bet Jacksonville. Nobody understands Jacksonville. This is another situation where you're getting at least two points of value minimum, and you're not going to get two points of value in another game. This the rest of the season. I don't think this is it. So what do you do with it? Do you suck it up and, you know, run up to the counter nauseated, Here's my money and run to the bathroom and get set. I, I don't know. They, but the only way I could play this game is to take Jacksonville. And I may just play Jacksonville just on the principle of a home dog, uh, week two of the season, getting six. And uh, it just seems like way too much. It just seems like way too much. Yeah, I think this one's a test of the adage that teams are rarely as good or bad as they look. And to your point, Denver's win in week one looks even better with how the Giants showed last night. And Jacksonville was a dumpster fire in Houston. So I, I can only lean one way, and that would be to take the six points. But I just can't bring myself to put money on it at this point. I think that pretty much puts a bow on the Broncos at the Jaguars. So let's talk about another AFC East showdown taking place this week and dive into the Patriots traveling to New York to take on the Jets. New England currently laying six total at 43. And Scott, you make the number a little bit more than a touchdown for the Patriots, but it sounds like it might just be a lean at this stage. Yeah, I, I make the number uh, close to seven and a half here. So I got some value here with New England. I think this is a really a matchup kind of made in heaven for New England here. Great offensive line. The Jets obviously lose their left tackle last week. So their offensive line is decimated. They gave up the most pressures uh, last week uh, as far as a pressure rate. Uh, so this is just tailor-made for New England. Uh, New England, I think, uh, potentially has a better defensive line or front seven, and they have a huge advantage in the secondary. So to me, Mac Jones should be able to really throw at will, if you will, uh, with a game plan that's set up by the run. Yeah, Jets can stop the run a little bit, but I, I still think they're going to have success running the ball and then allow Mac Jones. And again, it's not just receivers. He's got those tight ends running down the field. Uh, to me, this is just uh, a perfect matchup for New England in this game. I just don't see the Jets generating enough offense here to uh, to win this game. Am I laying six? No, I don't want to lay six. Um, but I, I think New England's the only play for me. It's a, it's a lean for me to New England. 
Yeah, and I'll go ahead and make it a bet at minus six, and I'll note that that minus six would be my price ceiling, and and even at this number, it might be a reduced wager amount at that because this one has moved two and a half points from the opener earlier in the week. The best of the number, therefore, is gone with the Patriots, but not all points are created equal. I mean, if we go from two to four and a half, that's a much bigger two and a half point swing. So again, I do see a smidge of value on the Patriots at this number. And building on what you laid out, Scott, I'd like to also say that the Patriots easily could have beaten the Dolphins last week. I think this number would be at at least a touchdown if they did so. New England won yards per play soundly. In the red zone, they only went one for four, whereas the Dolphins went two for two. So in twice as many red zone trips, the Patriots only came away with half as many touchdowns. New England also went minus two in fumbles. And one thing I like about them for this week, in week one, the Patriots had possession for almost 37 minutes. And their defense was on the field for less than 50 snaps if we exclude kneel downs at the end of the game. So they should be fresh for their matchup with a rookie quarterback plus a rookie head coach. And looking at that Jets offense led by a rookie quarterback, they only managed a paltry 4.2 yards per play against the Panthers last week. And that includes a 10-play, 93-yard touchdown drive after the outcome of that one was largely decided. Zach Wilson was sacked six times and now without Mekhi Becton at left tackle as last year's first-round pick. To your point, Scott, the Patriots could really get after Wilson on Sunday. Overall, laying the road chalk, not my MO, but value's value, and I still see just enough value on New England to get in play at the current number, given some matchup edges almost across the board. Chris, am I falling for the banana in the tailpipe with this one? Sold. You sold me on it. No. You know, my, my former partner always said, you know, he wanted to write a book, How I Turned a Million Dollars into 5000 and this the Denver and New England situations are you know fit the perfect mold and to fit how to how that book would turn out, and you're just not going to get rich in the you know betting New England and Denver type of situations. And boy, you know the more we talk about this, New England should roll. They absolutely should roll. Belichick destroys young quarterbacks, and. Uh, as I said in the divisional previews, I like New England. I think New England could win the division. And I can't, and it's frustrating because I couldn't bet them week one. And I don't think I can bet them here. And if I did, I'd have to have the five and a half. There's a couple of five and a halves at some sharp shops. And some way, somehow, I, you know, both of those favorites are not going to cover. And they both could lose uh, against the spread. It, 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 it's, it's really tempting just to play the Jets as a number play, but I do like New England. I'm going to lay off of this game. If anything, I, I'll, you know, donate my money and take New England minus five and a half on impulse. But that, that, but I don't, I don't, I'm not even sure I'm going to do that. It's it, the, the, the Patriots are a much better team here. Yeah, I think that sums it up pretty well. So I understand why at this number it could be tough to get in play, but just looking at where I think this game should be, kind of aligned with Scott, it should be north of a touchdown in my book. So for a smaller wager amount, I'm okay with the six, but that is, again, the price ceiling. And I think hey, on that note, oh, Scott, it, go ahead. Yeah, let me just throw this in there too. Uh, so we just went ran through Denver and Miami minus six. Chris talked about it earlier you know if you're going to tease get through the three and seven but if someone is thinking about teasing both these games a six-point teaser down to pick up um uh which you're typically probably laying 120 from a juice standpoint look at the money line parlay at minus 260 that translates 
to about 110 as opposed to the 120 you'll lay on a teaser. So uh, the money line parlay might be a better price for you if, if you are actually going to do that. Um, and Chris already talked about a lot of reasons to probably not do that. But this is one of those situations where you know money line parlay might be a little, little bit better value than a teaser if you're going to do that. It is going to be cheaper than a, than a teaser. So if you like both of those teams and, and, and you can't control your urges to tease uh, those, then uh, you do want to parlay current numbers. Yeah, well, I think that about puts a bow on the early slate on Sunday. I'd like to call a quick time out here to check in with our live audience on YouTube. Thank you for joining us. Please remember to like, comment, subscribe, all that good stuff. And with that said, guys, let's move on to the late slate on Sunday afternoon. And let's talk Minnesota traveling to Arizona to take on the Cardinals. This line is down to three and a half and the total at 50 and a half. Chris, this might be one of the classic overreaction spots of the week on both ends. Yeah, I think it, uh, it, it. we're in another situation where you've got a team that uh, is uh, rated a little bit higher than they were coming in and, and uh, another team that's been downgraded by many and we're getting extra points again. And I, I played this at plus four. I don't like it, but it, you just have to do it. Uh, but it's not as bad as bad as the other games. I think the Minnesota's got a lot, a lot of uh, weapons, and I don't know. We mentioned Cincinnati may be undervalued at the start of the season. When Cincinnati's healthy, they're taught they just can't afford to lose anybody. If Cincinnati stays healthy, they're going to be the team you saw last week. So it's not like Minnesota lost a garbage or anything. I mean, for gosh sakes, and Cincinnati's getting all the. The, the money in Chicago. So uh, it, it was a difficult situation for them. They, they, they came out of the gate slow and they have uh, veterans uh, top to bottom, uh, veteran coaches. They're, they're going to come to play. And if they don't, well, now you got to really worry. Uh, but you have to take the points here. You know, one of the oddities that uh, I didn't realize is Arizona's running a lot of what you call static motions where they don't do anything and uh, they'll just stand there until they hike the ball. And in that situation, uh, that's been very good for Murray. He was eight for eight last week in those situations. So something to look at to see if they keep on doing that again. Uh, that, that was sort of uh, something new that I, uh, I heard yesterday that I felt was interesting. Uh, and if the Vikings, the Vikings had so many penalties last week, it, you know, that certainly cost them the game. I, I think the number was like 13 and Cincinnati declined four more. So uh, if you can get the penalties down, uh, that's going to be an added benefit. So I, that's, that's it in a nutshell. I, I have to go with Minnesota. I think they've got enough weapons to keep it close. Yeah, and, and I'm with you there. And I think what you said uh, got the ball rolling toward answering a couple questions that came in through the chat earlier in the show, but they were about this game. One of them asking if we can finally trust Arizona after what they did to Tennessee last week. And the other with the Vikings noting, it's almost a reflexive play for a lot of betters to take the points. But with some of their injuries, um, is there some concern or, or are we looking at this objectively enough if we're taking the points with the Vikings? And, and I totally understand that point. 
Um, but I, I am indeed on Minnesota plus the points as well, Chris. And I think we might have seen this number come down a tick just since we started recording because I think it was plus four very recently at BetUS. That said, even at three and a half, I think getting more than a field goal here is fair game for something on Minnesota. Again, it is a classic overreaction spot. Um, but I do have some concerns uh, to the point of I think Birdie asked that question. And with the Vikings, not only some injuries on defense, but a case of possibly, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire with some locker room turmoil that could be going on there. And with the Cardinals, it wasn't just a big win last week on the scoreboard. They were legitimately impressive on both sides of the ball. I mean, Kyler Murray was electric with five touchdowns in total. Chandler Jones on the other side of the ball, a game wrecker with five sacks. But Chris, similar to your point of view on the Buffalo-Miami line, I think we're still seeing too big an adjustment here from the Cardinals plus three in Tennessee to now laying more than a field goal at home to the Vikings. Even if we account for home field advantage, that implies that the Titans are almost a field goal better than the Vikings, and that just doesn't mesh with me. So I do think even a little bit shorthanded, the Vikings defense could provide more resistance against Kyler Murray in that Cardinals offense this week. On the other side of the ball, the Cardinals do have plenty of playmakers on defense, but they're a bit vulnerable at cornerback, and that could be troublesome with the Vikings having that dynamic duo of Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen to capitalize. So, Chris, to seal your line from earlier in the show, this would go down as my plug your nose and go to the window play of the week. <laughs> Scott, well, I know I, you see uh, – oh, go ahead, I think Chris. it's just a candidate for the afternoon wild finish. Uh, I, I look for this to be a barn burner. It, it, it should be. Yeah, and, and catching more than a field goal in a game that might be a coin toss down to the wire uh, seems to me the way to go. But, Scott, what do you make of this one? I'm showing a little bit of value on Arizona and actually the under here. Um, but to the points you guys made, you know, you got to figure Minnesota comes guns blazing um, and they've got a very good coach. Um, you know, Minnesota last week, they gave up the fourth highest pressure rate. Arizona came with a fifth highest pressure rate against Tennessee. Let's see what happens in this game. You know, Kirk Cousins is a, a bit of a statue back there. So if they are putting pressure on him, um, and we all of a sudden find out that Arizona's got some somewhat of a pass rush, which can help protect that secondary, because I agree with you on that, then this still could be a little bit problematic. But it is a lot of points. If I was going to look at Arizona, I'd have to get it down to at least three and maybe even two and a half before I'd really feel comfortable. Because to Chris's point, this could be a back and forth game um, and every point could really matter. Every half point could really matter. So it's no play for me. Um, you know, because I'm a little worried that Minnesota will come very, very focused. And, you know, at least their front seven should be pretty good this year. Um, we'll see about the secondary. But um, I need to see a little bit more out of Minnesota. That was a pretty disappointing effort in my mind uh, last week as well. Yeah, well, we've got a couple bets on the Vikings here. And, Scott, I hear you at least leaning the other way. So I think that puts a bow on Minnesota at Arizona. Let's move on and let's talk an NFC South showdown. Atlanta traveling to Tampa Bay to take on the Bucks, and the Bucks a 12 and a half point favorite. Total currently at 52. And Chris, I see your note here: mediocre dessert. Why don't you go ahead and elaborate on that? You know what? It just it, this is just one of those those uh, matchups where you know we love football and all, and uh, there should be a lot of scoring and uh, uh, carelessness and freewheeling play. But do you really do you really need it that dessert, uh, you know, that's just kind of mediocre? You don't really need it. So you're like, ah, forget it. So that, that's where this game is for me. 
I, I can't I can't bet this game. Uh, uh, Atlanta was the bail, the banana in the tailpipe play last week, and uh, I have to wait to see something from them. It, it it was incredulous that they actually released an injury report with no names on it. Nobody on the injury report. How do you play that bad and not make up names to at least give yourself some excuses? Or does that demonstrate that they made that nobody made enough e- uh, effort? where they could possibly get injured because it's got to be one or the other. So I, I just found that just hilarious to see no injuries. Well, well yeah, because you're not you're not playing hard enough. Jesus. So <laughs> I, I don't want to waste any more time on this game. It's just a it's a hard pass for me. Yeah, same here. I'll, I'll note that to your point, Chris, Atlanta still looking for its first touchdown of the season. And on the other side of the ball, the defense was the second worst in the league per pro football focus entering the season. We didn't see any signs of improvement in week one. And Scott, that could make up for a tall task against an explosive Bucks offense. Yeah, there's not a whole lot to say here, Matt. Uh, you know, if I was supporting Atlanta or something, maybe it'd be worth going into as to why. But we all know what the matchups here are. You know, defensive line, offensive line. Uh, you know, they got manhandled last week. They could get manhandled with the same Tampa Bay uh, team as well. So I do have a little bit of value on Tampa Bay, but I'm not laying, again, double digits here. But to Chris's point, we got to see something more out of Atlanta because that that was just an awful effort and Matt Ryan was horrible in terms of intended air yards per attempt last week which is just uh, it's unbelievable and especially bringing Arthur Smith in there I mean again maybe it takes a little while for them to get that thing going and and whatnot but um, I'm not playing Atlanta and I'm not laying double digits you know it's too bad Atlanta didn't have an opportunity to draft a quarterback oh yeah they did (laughs) they let New England have them morons Yeah, a couple of teams passed on Mac Jones after Atlanta to let him fall to New England. But we've got, yeah, a hard pass across the board on this one. So we'll keep things moving right along. And let's talk about possibly a more intriguing game from a betting standpoint. And that would be Tennessee traveling to the Pacific Northwest to take on the Seahawks. Spread currently Seattle laying six and a half total way up there at 54. And Scott, that's an interesting total to see perhaps after Tennessee had some pretty head scratching play calls on offense last week. Yeah, and I'll. I'll say this, you know, they they obviously got their uh, doors blown off at home last week and teams that lose uh, by 24 or more points like that uh, do tend to go under at a pretty high rate the following week. Um, I, I'd really need to see this total go up a little bit more for me to be confident to play the under. Uh, but there is a pretty good situation um, that does play to the under. The other thing that's just very noteworthy you know ryan Tannehill uh really did well when arthur smith was there and that was all predicated of a lot of play action and whatnot it, you know looking at two different sources last week so i don't know which one's accurate i've seen that they only had one play action pass last week and i saw another one and say five but whatever the right number is it's a very very low number and you have to question that we talked about and you kind of brought it up in the preseason matt about Tannehill maybe regressing a little bit for other reasons but man, if they're not instituting, you know, some play action in that offense and whatnot, you got to really question how effective he's going to be. Um, and they gave up the third highest pass uh, pressure rate last week. Maybe again, that's Arizona's defense. You know, who knows? Um, but to me, there's some problems there. And I have a little bit of value on Tennessee in this game, but I'm I'm not playing it. There is going to be rain in this game, by the way. I think it's just more or less showers. But uh, you know, I've got a colleague that actually lives in Seattle and. You know, he's, he just kind of mentioned how well Russell Wilson seems to play in rain as well for whatever that's worth. But um, no play for me. If this total keeps tricking up, though, um, I may get involved in the under as well. 
Yeah, and Chris, when it comes to a lot of the issues Tennessee had last week that Scott laid out, we all know, everybody knows, it was an awful start for the Titans, but they're probably not quite that bad in reality. Well, Scott, I don't like to step in front of streaks, and Tennessee is 10-0 and 0 to the over in a row, so you can only lose once betting with the streak, but uh, uh, I'm not much of a t- much. I don't have much interest in that total, quite frankly. I, this is another game where I want to wait for my metrics to settle in, and uh, both of these teams – uh, Seattle's always difficult for me, but uh, Tennessee, I usually do do well with. Uh, so I'm looking forward to week three or four where I start to get some data in that I can process. Uh, if this line gets to seven, however, uh, I, I'm going to jump in uh, for sure. So I believe it's, it's, it's a game I want no interest in. So I don't want it at the six or the six and a half. But if you give me that seven, I'm going to take it. Yeah, fair enough. And in terms of what I'm looking for here, it's a pass for me. But if it touches a a full touchdown, then it's going to be hard not to get in play as well, Chris. I think with that Titans offense, Scott, you touched on it. Uh, I saw that per Warren Sharp, the Titans only ran play action on early downs 5% of the time last week. That was less than one-fifth of the NFL average and less than one-twelfth the Titans' own average last year. So there's some interesting context there. Perhaps a bit of an indictment on the first game for new offensive coordinator Todd Downing. I hope he can make some adjustments to get this offense back on track because the Titans can be really fun to watch. And from their defense, I'm hoping to see any signs of life because I do think they're a much better team than they showed last week. So pretty eager to see that potentially coming out of the Titans. As far as Seattle goes, they had an outstanding game plan in week one to maximize their offense. And we saw some pretty optimal game planning early last year as well before they pulled the plug on that optimal scheme. So I want to see the Seahawks stay committed to that throughout the course of the season. Certainly hoping that continues as we move into week two. I think that pretty much wraps up the Titans at the Seahawks. So let's move on to another Sunday afternoon game. In fact, this would be uh, the last Sunday afternoon game going in rotation order. And this should be a fun one. The Cowboys at the Chargers. Currently the Chargers a heavily juiced minus three. Total, again, up in the stratosphere at 55. And Chris, you seem a little suspicious about the Chargers being such a popular side over the course of the week. Yeah, I've been going back and forth on this game. Uh, Dallas is off their 10 days rest and seemingly could have won against Tampa Bay. <laughs> and uh, But they're getting hit with these injuries again, and they just can't avoid it. Uh, the Chargers, you know, they're getting all the love. Everybody's getting behind these Chargers. And, hey, you've you've got to prove yourself a little bit before uh, I'm going to buy it. But uh, I I don't know what to do with this. Everybody jumped all over this over. I instinctively just want to bet the under based on that. But realistically – the San Diego should be able to score at will. And Dallas, uh, while they're hurting a little bit, they've got they've got enough wide receivers and they've they've got all the tools to score themselves. So uh, I, I, instinctively, I want to bet the under, but I won't. And if I, I, that the four, if there there is a four popping up on Dallas, I I, I might take a four just for a taste, but. I think I'm going to just leave this game alone. There's just it's just too early in the season, and I want to rely on, on metrics and and not what 
with my with how I'm processing it. So. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. It's okay to pass on games where there's a lot of, you know, different variables in play that could indicate the outcome going any which way. And Scott, how do you view this one? Well, I'm kind of with Chris. I was trying to find just reasons to take Dallas in this game. Um, you know, you, you kind of have in your mind the Chargers. We we know in the past uh, how horrible they've been as, you know, laying points and they've been great taking points. And so kind of have that mindset and Dallas pretty good offense. Um but you know, after kind of accounting for the injuries and whatnot, I make I make the charges about a three and a half point favorite. I made the total about fifty, just under fifty seven. So, you know, it's I'm not playing over, um, but I can't play under. And the thing I, you know, just again going in last week, and so it's only one week's worth of data, so it's hard to really account for it. But Dallas second worst pass uh, pressure rate last week. Chargers uh, were very very good in handling the pressure rate. They were fifth best. And then you swing it the other way. Dallas put almost no pressure on Tampa Bay. They were like the second worst in pressure. And the Chargers uh, generated about the fifth highest pressure rate. So if the game is played that way at the at the offensive defensive line, it could be problematic for Dallas. And that's, you know, that's enough to kind of keep me off Dallas. And that's what I kind of keep seeing. So it's hard for me to play it. I'm going to be very intrigued. I think it's a fast track. Um, could be a lot of points. Um, but uh, no play for me, and um, you know, line seems to be about right right now. And, and you mentioned, you know, they had trouble uh, with the pressure, and now they've lost their best defensive player. So it just makes yes. it really tough to step in uh, here. And, and you know, it, and people probably aware of right tackle Leo Collins suspended now. They do get Zach Martin back, but to your point, Chris, it's injuries, suspensions. You know, it's just happening all over the place and continues to happen. Uh, for Dallas as well. Yep. Yeah, and that kind of uh, answers in part, I think, a question that just came in from the chat about Cowboys fans taking last week as a moral victory. I, I'm sure not all did, but some certainly may have. And the question asks, should they have taken that as a moral victory? And I would say at the time, I would totally be on board with that. I think Dak Prescott had some resoundingly positive answers to any questions about his health. But like you guys just touched on with some injuries uh, coming up heading into this game, I, I think that probably gets any, you know, moral victory sense from last week, you know, pretty far out of their minds. One more thing I'll add for this game. It's the Chargers first game at the new home stadium with fans. And I think it might as well be we could call it their first road game at their new home stadium because this is probably going to be an awfully pro Dallas crowd. Yep. Hey. Yeah, and Matt, you know, just a, it's a, it's an outstanding question because I, I was thinking that as I was watching the game and then the days after that game as well. Dallas, first of all, it's Mike McCarthy. You know, I don't know what to think about that. And Dallas, you know, remember last year when Dak was playing those first five weeks, they were close in so many of those games, right? Offense is looking great, but somehow, some way, they managed to lose a game. And granted, this was Tampa Bay this year, so uh, very easily to to understand how Tampa would beat them, but. At some point, Dallas just needs to start winning these games. You know, they're, they're staying close, but that that doesn't help you. You need to win games, and um, that's kind of what I'm going to be watching. It's just going to be another game. They're going to play very close, going to be very exciting. You can get all pumped up with the offense, but then somehow, some way in the end, they, they find another way to lose it. That's, that's what I'll be, uh, you know, kind of curiously watching. Yeah, good point. Well, I think that's an appropriate note to end it on for the Sunday afternoon slate. And we've just got two games to go, so let's move on into primetime. Sunday night football, the Chiefs 
flying across the country to take on the Ravens. Currently, Kansas City, a three-and-a-half-point road favorite. That's juiced at minus 115. Another high total, 54-and-a-half. And, Chris, you're not alone in wondering what to make of that Monday night game, even though it was a few days ago. Still tough to know what to make of that Baltimore performance. Yeah, I, I, I've got no clue. I mean, I, I was happy to see the coach. Uh, apparently, he duct taped the football to uh, Lamar Jackson all week and made him carry it around like the like a baby in health class. But uh, I'm just joking, of course. But uh, just just awful. They, they never blow those leads. We already talked about it. It was just sickening. You knew at the half when they only had a four point lead, you were in for some trouble. Uh, this line is off, also. And uh, this was a, a minus one look ahead line. It's up to three and a half. It's up to four. There's, it's actually up to four in a lot of places. And you blindly are supposed to take Baltimore in this situation. And it just feels like a loaded gun that you're spinning that you're supposed to win more than not. But there's one bullet in there. And Kansas City could be that bullet uh, this week. Uh, one thing that I was kind of looking at was, and I don't do a lot of totals, is is maybe the under in this game, just because Kansas City's goal has been to keep their defense uh, off the field. And what they want are long drives. They know they can score quick if they have to. We saw it in Cleveland. So uh, they're, they're, they're intentionally slowing the game down. I think they were 28th or 29th in pace of play last week. And things worked out just fine for them. So, you know, why are they going to change anything? Uh, you know, they don't want Lamar Jackson having more reps because he's dangerous. So they want to play keep away from their own defense. They want to play keep away from Johnson or Jackson, I mean. So I'm kind of looking at the under there. And as far as the side go, I, I can only bet Baltimore. But that's a, a hold-your-nose type of play. Uh, and... I, I have to believe that they held back game plan uh, look, uh, looking ahead at this game. I, I, it's just a disastrous performance last week, and, and you're never as bad as your worst performance, just like you're never as good as your best performance. Well, I want to uh, push back on that last point you made, just because I've heard it a few times over the course of the week that the Ravens held back in anticipation of this big game with the Chiefs. But at a certain point, it's never worth it to hold back good plays at the cost of winning a game. And so, Chris, as a professional better, I would love to get your take on on that kind of narrative. I mean, there might have been some merit to it early on, but would the Ravens really have held back that much to jeopardize and, and in fact, ultimately lead to a loss on Monday night? Well, the you know, the, the problem was they had these new quarter uh, running backs in the lineup and they were not performing as well as they needed them to. They were missing holes that were made for them or they were getting to the holes late. And uh, uh, that was one of the concerns and that probably limited their options. But the other problem that was glaring was they were telegraphing everything they were doing on defense. Uh, there were comments made uh, that, you know, it was helping their offense, the Raiders were coming. They said, well, we knew exactly what they were going to do, and we, we were we were prepared for it. So it, I just think it's an anomaly. The, the, the coaching and the team has been way too good, and, and everybody says the same thing. They don't even recognize the team that played last week. I anticipate major changes. There has to be. 
Yeah, yeah, certainly looking for some improvement out of Baltimore, although it is a tough spot given the Monday night overtime loss flying back home across the country. And Scott, not just the situation with the timing involved this week, but some injuries creeping up for the Ravens once again. Yeah, man, the uh, the bad news just keeps coming. It looks like left tackle uh, Ronnie Stanley is probably going to be out. That That's a pretty big blow for them. They may get Jimmy Smith. They're still going to be without Marcus Peters at, 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 in the secondary. They may get Jimmy Smith back this week, which is would be badly needed. Um, yeah. So hopefully that happens. And I agree with Chris. That loss was a very uncharacteristic loss. Um, and, you know, I made the number 55 in this, but, you know, listening to Chris there, for, you know, last year, 34-20, I think that was a Monday night game. Kansas City goes in there and wins. Um, and let's look at it from this point. You know, as Chris said, Kansas City maybe wants to slow the game down, run the ball a little bit. If if Baltimore is operating efficiently, they're going to take time off the clock and run the ball. If they're not operating efficiently, which means they're not moving the ball, they're punting, which means Kansas City's probably had and maybe again trying to take time off the clock and, and, and move the ball down the field methodically. So there's a lot of scenarios here where I can see uh, clock, you know, the clock eaten away. And I, I had Baltimore in that game last year. And let's remember, Baltimore was laying, what, three, three and a half or something like that? Um, and lost the game 34-20. Now you're looking at about a seven and a half point adjustment. That's pretty severe for two teams that I don't think are that much different. Yes, there's been injuries with Baltimore and whatnot. The one thing I do remember, though, two things actually, is you know Baltimore likes to blitz, and Mahomes, you know, he eats breakfast, lunch, dinner on blitzes. So we'll see what happens there. The Kansas City off offensive line a little, little bit of a question mark yet. Um, but the other thing I remember in that game having Baltimore once they got behind, like. They just could not move the ball through the air. And, and you know, you're, you're almost done. And, you know, that's it, it's just hard to take Baltimore if they can't stay in front or close where they can operate their offense the way they intend to and want to. I'm glad you brought that up because now I remember that game clearly. And I, I remember knowing very early we were done. We yep. were done. And uh, that that's really makes me apprehensive to even pop in at the plus four. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you, you're right. That, that game was just bad too. It just seems like it was a bad matchup for them when, and when they were much healthier too. Right. Yeah. Well, sometimes even when the numbers might indicate something again, like we touched on earlier, the matchups can mean something else entirely. So a lot of intrigue to see how this one plays out on the field with the chiefs taking on the Ravens on Sunday night. One more game to go this weekend, so let's hit it, guys. Detroit at Green Bay on Monday night. The Packers a big favorite, laying 11, total at 48.5. And, Scott, I know laying double digits isn't an in-vogue move, but uh, while you're not necessarily laying with the Packers, you do seem to see some value there. Yeah, my, my numbers show a little bit of value. You know, do I want to lay double digits? Uh, no. Uh, we know Detroit's, you know, is awful. That we're, And now we got to see what's going on with Green Bay, I think. I think Green Bay will bounce back, but you know we'll we'll find out. That's why they play the games, um, I, you know. But I was looking. First of all, Detroit does qualify in a couple, or I should say, really, it's more the Packers qualifying in a couple of negative situations for me. They're actually pretty good situations that would say maybe you should play da uh, Detroit in this game. The other thing I look back at, and you know, you take this a little bit with a grain of salt, but the last 15 games at the Packers in the regular season have been favored by more than seven points. They're six and nine against the spread, so certainly not uh, covering that number. And again, I don't know how many of those games are coming off a loss. I didn't look at that. 
But the other thing that stuck out, they're 13 and two to the under in those games where they're heavily favored. So, and I do think Detroit probably wants to run the ball a little bit this year. They didn't really get a chance to do that last week because they were so far behind and maybe they're going to be so far behind this week. Who knows? Um, but, you know, I would lean a little bit under here. The number uh, Green Bay for me, but the situation kind of is leading with Detroit. So uh, right now, no play for me. Maybe a slight lean to the under. Yeah, and Chris, this is a big early division matchup. Uh, the winner will be in first place in the NFC North. <laughs> well, this is a crucial, crucial, <laughs> crucial matchup. They're playing for first place in the division. I don't know how you stop the Lions. They, they, they've covered every game this season. And, you know, everything's rolling for them. So, uh, but seriously, uh, they, they lose Akuda, their number one draft pick uh, to injury to an Achilles. Uh, makes the cornerback position even weaker. Uh, and it wasn't strong to start. Uh, we, I, it's, I, hey, I, I got to admit this really embarrassing point. Uh, I didn't even realize, I thought when I, I thought, the Lions were actually playing at home. And it was mentioned yesterday, I was on another show, and I realized live, I'm like, I thought they were playing at home. They're playing in Green Bay? Well, I love minus 11 then. I, I honestly think that the as bad as Green Bay looked, they completely, and I'm not a Green Bay fan in the least, I'm obviously a Lions fan, they completely outclassed the Lions, and and I see that their record, or Scott, you mentioned their their record isn't great covering these these uh, touchdown plus spreads at home, but I, I think the Lions really are going to get outclassed here. Unfortunately, it doesn't matter how much emotion they bring. It you know, I I feel confident that uh, before the game we're going to have Rodgers. He's going, you know, he's into the Buddhism. He's going to find his serenity and he's going to find his power to to uh, power through the Lions uh, uh, sieve defense. So it, it, San Francisco was just running all over them. It wasn't even funny. So I, there's a lot of weakness in the Lions. I, I, I just don't see them having the tools to stay close. And Green Bay has every incentive to redeem themselves from the embarrassment uh, from last week, and, and what better opportunity than on Monday Night Football? Yeah, I mean, I think this is a spot where the Packers have to show up after what they showed last week. I think they will. That said, I don't have any interest in laying the double digits with them right now, especially because the Lions were impressive, at least with their effort, to go ahead and cover the closing number last week. Uh, while they do have a lack of talent, that refusal to quit could make them one of the backdoor teams of the year. Can I ask you guys a question? I did. I never realized this until golf became a lion. Why do betters hate golf so much? Every single better on every single podcast just ridicules this guy and, and just wanted. Where does this come from? So I'll I'll say as the Angelino of the group who's seen him play a lot over the years, I think one of the issues was that Sean McVay was so good at putting him in good positions, and when golf is put in a good position, he's a very capable quarterback. But when he needs to really think for himself, once the play clock drops below 15 seconds, if the defense shows a look and he doesn't have McVay in his ear, or if he gets a look from the defense that he wasn't expecting after the ball snapped, he doesn't create the best under chaos. So I think for a lot of Rams fans with such a good roster, just not having a quarterback who could take them over the top drew a lot of backlash, even though, to your point, he is a, an adequate quarterback, to say the least, in most ways. 
Yeah, I mean, we're I mean, we're we're happy with them so far. Just don't just don't be a disaster. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you, I'd say, if you want a a high floor, even if it comes with a low ceiling, then then he can be the guy for that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that will pretty much put a bow on our week two rundown. Let's take a look at our best bets for the week. Again, you heard us talk about these in depth earlier in the show. But as a quick recap, we've got a few bets for each of us here. Chris taking the Dolphins plus the points as well as the Colts plus the points. Scott and I going head to head. I'm taking the Niners minus three. Scott's got the Eagles plus three as well as the under in that game. And I'm also laying the points with the Patriots and taking the three and a half with Minnesota. And on that note, everybody, I'd like to thank you for tuning in to the BetUS NFL show today. For those of you with us on YouTube, go ahead and give us a thumbs up, subscribe to the channel. And if you have any thoughts or questions, let us know in the comments of this video. For those of you listening in podcast form, you can find us on Twitter, Chris at Las Vegas Chris, that's C-R-I-S, Scott at Sixth Sense NFL, and myself at MLandis18. One more thing, don't forget to use the promo code NFL2021 when signing up at BetUS to claim your 125% sign-up bonus. And last but not least, everybody, enjoy week two. Best of luck with your bets. We'll be back with you live on Tuesday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern, 2.30 Pacific to review the action and preview week three. So we'll see you then right back here at BetUS where the game begins.